you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. I appreciate the invite. I'm very, very excited. Thank you. So the listeners don't know, but me and you have been in cahoots about this a little bit, um, figuring out, you know, how we can, before we even jump into like who you are, what you do, your specialties and all that, this is going to be a three-parter. So a series, three episodes, um, we'll release um, one each week. So it'll be three weeks long. And I'm really excited. I love doing this. I did one with my mom, a three-parter, and people just ate it up. Like, it's just so fun to continue the conversation. I feel like sometimes the one one episode just isn't enough. Um, Yes. But without further ado. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, So my name is Jen Melville. I am a professional sex and relationship coach. I work predominantly with uh, couples who are like in the thick of parenting. So they're typically married couples. A lot of my couples are heterosexual um, and they, again, typically have children between like toddlers and preteens. So they're like right in the like high need area where it's a high parenting, high touch. You know, they've maybe been together for a while, but not forever. Um, and it's just feels like, the, you know, the most overwhelming part of life, although every part of life is overwhelming. Yeah. Um, now, and then sometimes I also work with just moms. So, and that is specifically, you know, outside of, um, it may have to do with their relationship, but more of what they're struggling with in terms of their body image, body confidence, um, you know, how to struggle being a mom and a lover and in that. So I do both. And then I do work with some couples that have older children, but I would say the bulk of the people that I work with um, are, and they go through about a 12 week program with me that has a bunch of different components to it to explore what's going on. Wow. So how did you get started in this industry? Like, yeah, I kind of fell into it a little bit by accident. Um, My educational, my first educational background is in um, higher ed. So I have an undergrad in sociology and a master's degree in higher education administration. So I spent 12 years working with professionals and paraprofessionals in the residential setting. So I worked at a college. um, And in that, I was a supervisor. I did a lot of conflict resolution, communication, problem solving, all of the things that come up with, if you've ever lived on a college campus, like life stuff. Um, And then I, one year for my birthday, I was like, let me go to one of those like parties, like those like naughty, like sex toy parties. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so I was like, so my, I was like, where, you know, so of course I start asking around, does anyone know anyone that like, you know, sells like those toys and things like that. And so someone had introduced me to someone and she came to my house. And if you've never been to one of those those parties, like they're fun. Someone comes to your house. Yeah. I've been to one. Yeah, so it's like, you know, people that are like you're comfortable with and they're like pass around vibrators and talking about lubricants. And um, so it was like a fun little birthday. And then I, you know, because I'm like a serial like entrepreneur, I was like, so tell me about this like side hustle you got going on. Like what? And, you know, I had a full time job. Like it wasn't like this was like my career. And so she, you know, told me a little bit about like the business opportunity. Um, Yes, it's an MLM. Like I know some people are like, you know, boohoo about that and stuff. But 
So I talked to her a couple times um, and I was like, do I want to do this? But like, I was all about like women should have two forms of income, at least two forms of income. I was like, let me just do like, if you have to, or want to have a part-time job, why not sell sex toys? So yeah. Hey. yeah. So I was like, so because I'm like super outgoing, I was, so I, I did, I joined the company and for three years I did both. So I worked my full-time job at a college and then I was like on the side slinging dildos. I was like, my <laughs> <would say>. I <laughs> love He's that. like, are you still slinging dildos, Jen? I'm like, oh my God, Jen. Oh my oh. God. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, yes, dad, still slinging dildos on the side. Um, <laughs> but I will say what I did find. And so if you've in Mackenzie, you've been to a party. So, you know, like you, you kind of have the party part and then you like meet with the consultant privately and they talk to you about the products and what you might want to like introduce in your life. So in those conversations, I was like, they were like so deep, like people were like devolt. And I don't know if it comes from my like my personality or my background in like communication and counseling, like people were just spewing. I mean, and it was the gamut. It was like seven year old grandma never hooked a vibrator in her whole life. See, I don't, my situation or when I went, my experience was so different because I went, it was a bachelorette party for this mm. young girl. And I was literally like 18 or 19 years old. So I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, the door swing. Like. Yeah. We were just there to like, play the games like I didn't buy I didn't have any money like I didn't buy anything so but I've been there and I know like what the vibe is type of yeah but um that makes so much sense like how people would like would open up I think like when you and so like it was like like I would spend 20 30 minutes in the room with this one person because their their marriage is failing or they're going through infertility or they've never owned a vibrator they can't orgasm and I was like good lord what who are you people talking to like who do you have in your life? Like, and I'm like, did you call your doctor? Do you have a therapist? Like all of this. So all that. And then, you know, long story short, my husband and I were going through infertility. And so I finally get pregnant with twins. And I was like, I, I don't want to go to work. Like I work so hard to have these kids. Like I want to stay. And at that point, my party business had replaced my full-time income. So it was like just an easy transition. So I started doing the parties full time and I'm I'm like such a talker. I'm not going to draw this out. So long story short, I was like, I I need to do more. I can't just sell these people vibrators and just call it a day. So I looked, I was, you know, home with my twins. I looked at, you know, do I want to go back to school? Like I already have a master's degree. Do I want to be a sex therapist? Like, do I want to be an OBGYN? Like, what what do I want to do? Yeah. And so I found a sex coaching certification program that really fit to what I wanted. It was like high intensity. It was super in depth with like sexual health and all the gamuts of, you know, from kink to, you know, sexual trauma to, you know, just couples. And and it also had the coaching piece. So like how to be a coach. And I felt like I had a lot of that already, but I, you know, I'm just want to be full of education. So I did that. I went through, I'm, you know, started the certification program and then, you know, I worked with a couple business coaches. I designed a program. I knew I wanted to work with moms and couples because like I'm a toddler mom. My kids are almost four. I'm in it like with you, but I wanted like to be 
I want it to be real. So like, if you know me or you follow me on social media, like I'm not sugarcoating anything. We're talking about, you know, everyday things, things that happen as moms. Cause I think when it comes to especially sex and intimacy and relationships, like I felt like people need real people, you know? And so that's, well, how can you get vulnerable with someone and open up about like an intimate part of your life if they're not going to almost kind of do the same thing or like make you feel comfortable enough like you're a real person and you're not just like this shrink on the side like tell me all your deepest darkest secrets you know yeah and that's what I really felt like I needed to deliver was you know you know because I would say even now in my coaching I say to people like did you you know have you seen a therapist have you seen a doctor because you know there is some underlying things both that need to be addressed by therapy and by a medical doctor but you know, there's so much shame and like fear and anxiety about that. And I was like, I just need to be a real person for these people. And it just fit perfectly in my life at that point. So I left, you know, working in higher ed and I built my own coaching business and I, you know, I don't really do the parties anymore. Um, You're done slinging dildos. You're onto something better. No more slinging dildos, dad. Um, I mean, I'm still, I guess, like a registered consultant. So like I could, um, but I just felt like I just needed to deliver more. So yeah, I I changed. I was almost at this point, it was in my late thirties, totally changed my career path. Like that is so cool. And I mean, that's another thing for people to look at. I feel like so many people change their career path, like during COVID for instance, or just any time, like it just doesn't matter, you know, whether you've been in a career for 12 years and you're like, gosh, maybe I should just retire here or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. You don't want to spend your life being miserable. You know, you want to do something. And I mean, during COVID, I mean, people were just home and online. Like I sold a lot of vibrators and a lot of dildos during COVID. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think this episode but, name needs to be slinging dildos slinging dildos <laughs> um but it was also like a lot of crumbling relationships during COVID so you know that's sort of the path that I went on yeah so I love that story I think it gives like a really good background of of who you are and kind of where you came from and like you said just makes you much more like no, knowing that I feel like makes you just so much more authentic. I feel like, you know what I mean? Just knowing someone's story and where they've come from is so cool to me. Um, but I'm really excited to give the people, the listeners, like some of your knowledge and just yeah. what you've experienced, what you've gone through with other people with like, you know, just like all the information that you've gathered that like, like you said, like people really don't talk about this stuff or they don't know about it, or they don't know what questions to ask, or they don't even know that things are wrong, or th- like so. There's just so much, so that's why we decided to put this into like three parter. So, you broke this up perfectly, I think, into three parts. Um, uh, you know, this first one, we're gonna talk a little bit, dive a little bit into sex drive, love languages, and defining what is normal, which I yeah. think is just a perfect place to start. Um. Do you want to take me through like the beginning stages of what, where you think we should begin and, and yeah, what you think would totally. make sense? Um, yeah, I did. I broke it up into three parts because um, when, when you asked me to come on here and, you know, you had said like, oh, we're very casual. Like these are just, you know, we're moms. We're, you know, we just want to learn. We don't have a lot of time. 
And I was like, oh, there's so much I could say. <laughs> and so I tried to think of like the, the really big, like overarching sort of questions or challenges that, you know, moms specifically and couples specifically are struggling with. And so for the first part here, sex drive, love languages, and defining normal are all a part of my own program, but I think are also, you know, if you think about it in the terms of a house, you know, when you're building a house, like the, 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 the concrete, the walls, all the structure has to be solid and in place. And if it's not, then everything else you put on top of it is going to crumble. And so I found that working with people like these three things, if they're understood and practiced, then you build a nice, strong foundation for all the other things you might want to work on. So I think, I mean, feel free to like jump in and like interrupt me, but I think we'll start, I want to start with defining normal. Okay. Because a lot of times... I'll hear is blah, 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 normal. Okay. I get that question a lot and it could, it could be anything. It could be, you know, believe it or not, 80, I would say maybe 75 to 80% of what I work with couples on, um, the big, at least the beginning part is nothing to do with sex or intimacy. Huh. Um, Like, what do you mean? Can you give like an example of that? Um, so oftentimes when people come to me, they, they come to me with the question of like, what is normal? Is this normal? Um, so that's one question. Is it normal? The other one might be like, I don't have a sex drive. I have low libido. Right. Um, or we're not having sex or we're not having enough sex or how much sex should we be having? Um, so these are all these questions. So when I start working with a couple or, or a mom, you know, when we start to break it apart, the lack of sex or intimacy is more often a symptom of something else. So meaning it could be a lot, you know, the mismatched sex drives. You know, if you don't have an understanding of what you and your partner's sex drive is, you're going to be mismatched and be like fumbling around, no pun intended, with each other and not know what's going on. Um, it might be struggling with a lot of people struggle with like communication. Like if you're fighting about who's taking out the trash and who's picking up the kids and, you know, someone's playing video games while the other person is doing laundry, like you're certainly not going to want to jump in bed and have sex with each other. (laughs) So that's where it comes to, you know, and then really people unconsciously like try to like keep up with the neighbors. You know, you always have that one friend or that neighbor who's like, oh. I don't know what you mean. We have sex all the time. We have sex every night. And which could be true, right? Um, You could be having great sex every night, but you also could not be. Like people can have sex every night and it could be terrible sex or it's it's, um, emotionless. Mm. You know, it's just like, you know, something to do, like checking it off the to-do list. And especially as moms, we all know the never-ending to-do list in our head right? And often sex ends up on that list as, you know, something else, something else someone needs from me. Moms will say that to me a lot. Like, I feel like sex is just something else someone needs from me. Um, and being overtouched and overstimulated. So that's what I mean. They come to me with that, but if we don't touch on all those other things, you know, we're not going to make you have more sex unless we touch on these other things first. Yeah, that makes sense. 
and part of it comes in and that's where like normal comes in, you know, like, and really like, I'm going to, I'm a, so everyone who's listening, like get a pen, right. I'm going to give you the answer right now. People ask me, what's a normal amount of sex we should be having. Okay. So here is the, the, the big question I get all the time. Here's the answer. You should be having the amount of sex or intimacy, and you'll hear me use those words interchangeably because, as a little sidebar, sex doesn't always have to be penis and vagina if you're a heterosexual couple, okay. right? People think like, oh, you know, we're not having sex if we're not like penetrating and everyone's orgasming and all that. There's, I mean, that's a full, a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so intimacy or sex, like being on an intimate level, um, What's normal is however you and your partner define normal. So, and what that really means is, and people are like, well, thanks, Jen. Like, that's helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But what it really means is, is you could have sex if you and your partner. So especially women, we want um, connection and passion right? That's what we look for when we're going through, if when we're looking for sex intimacy, um, we want to feel connected to our partner. And so if you get to a place where your intimate moments or sex with your partner, if both of you are feeling fulfilled, like I feel connected to you, I'm enjoying myself. This is something we both um, reach to when we're trying to relieve stress or anxiety or a way to deeper our love for one another. If you're, if what, however you define it, so whether it's penis and vagina or toys or watching erotica or whatever it might be, whatever those moments are, how often they occur, whatever works for you and your partner. So it, for some partners, it's, it's once a week, like they, they have to, in order to feel connected and fulfilled in their relationship, both of them have to, you know, have intercourse or sex or whatever, however you define it once a week, it could be every other week, it could be once a month. So once you get to a place where both of you agree, so the the disconnect is when one partner needs it once a week, and the other partner needs it once a month. So when you both get to a place of compromise of connection, that is your normal. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause yeah. what happens is what do we do when we're a room full of girlfriends, right? We start comparing stories. And so I tell people like office, obviously you'll have your girlfriends and things like that. But when you start comparing stories is your normal is going to be different than someone else's normal. So you're both normal, right? And that's what people come to me to work on is we're defining what your normal is. So you can feel confident in it. So when you show up and you have one couple, it's like, oh, we have sex every week. I cannot believe you're not having sex once a week. Well, then you can confidently say, well, you know, what's normal for us where we feel connected and fulfilled is having sex once every other week. Yeah. You know, and there's no shame in that. There's no need to defend that. Um, As long as you come to a place of agreement and fulfillment with you and your partner, that's all that matters. They're not in your bedroom. That's such a good point. I feel like that can just that confidence level and bringing that up and just saying like, no, it's not like the two to three times a week or three to five times a week that people, you know, or, or whatever 
you had in your head previously. It's what you define it as. Like, I love that. I think that's so reassuring to people because everybody has different schedules. Like, what if your husband goes away from Monday through Friday and he's only there on the weekends? Like, and then your weekends you have 10-year-olds that play soccer all day. Like, it's like that you're normal. It may literally not fit in with your schedule or something like that. Um, And that's obviously a whole nother thing. Like, you have to fit it in with your schedule. Um, (laughs) But, like, if your husband's gone Monday through Friday, like, physically not there – then that yeah. really can't be part of your normal, like, Tuesday nights we have sex. He's not there. <laughs> right, right. Or you could, I mean, there's so, and that's, like, what, um, and that's what people come to, like, what I work with people on is, like, we don't know, right? People don't teach us how to be in a relationship, right? Now, and even I don't know all the answers. Like, you know, people think, oh, my God, you must have this, like, fabulous sex life. Like, well, yeah, I have a good sex life, but it it, it takes work you know, on both of my husband and I's part, but I also have all the strategies or most of the strategies. I don't have all of them. So once people learn these strategies, so just as a point of an example, when you say like, oh, you're, you know, my husband's gone, you know, Monday through Friday. So we can only have sex on the weekends, but then we have soccer all day Saturday by, you know, eight o'clock on Saturday night. Like, like, oh, we're freaking tired, (laughs) you know, but number one, everyone has sex when they're tired. So get over it. Like, (laughs) um, but why can't you have a Tuesday phone call with your husband and mutually masturbate? Well, I guess I was thinking of like, in terms of like there, my husband's not gone Monday through Friday, but I think about it sometimes like with him, if he's gone for an extended period of time, like he's working 24 hour shifts. Like he's not like sitting in a hotel room because he's on a business trip. Like, so that's where my mind went. Like my husband was gone um, at one point for like, like, well, I guess I should, I try not to share a ton about his work on yeah. things because it's like safety thing, but sometimes he's gone at sometimes yeah. um, for extended period of times. And he's not like chilling in a hotel room, like hanging out. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's like that with people. And then you can have like other, you know, you can go off and venture. Into oh other yeah. Things. There's t- the thing is, is like, we just need to open our minds to there's other opportunities to connect on an intimate level and that's why like I really encourage people like sex does not always have to be penis and vagina like penetration and it's it's a script you know it's like okay we start fondling we start kissing okay we start rubbing then we start penetrating and then everyone orgasms and then we roll over and go to sleep I mean like that sounds really boring (laughs) um but it doesn't have to be that way like there's so many other strategies out there to have that connection you know, and that's why, you know, work, I mean, and, and some sex therapists might give you that, but that's where coaching is different. You yeah. know, it's like you get those strategies, you know, like, and, and, it, and it's very personalized, you know, like, so for you, you know, my husband's working 24 hour shifts. Like, what do we do? Well, maybe you don't do anything. Like, maybe that you know, becomes, like, maybe you're okay with that becoming part of your normal, like, yeah. and you figure it out. And I think that was why, you know, what made me think of that is because I think that's so cool to just think of like you can have a totally different normal than somebody else's you know somebody that works in an office nine to five um you know during the week that normal schedule is gonna be able to look very different you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it's knowing each other and it's knowing it's talking about it right so if you 
if you know, I mean, there's certain there, I mean, I think there's very little that we can't change, but when you can acknowledge what you can, so like you, you cannot change the fact that your husband works 24 hour shifts. Like you're not going to be, you know, trying to like sext him in the middle of the day when you know, you know what I mean? Like He'll be like, excuse me, this is dangerous, please. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's like, um, I'm busy. Um, but you know, like if you know that, then there's so much more for opportunity. People try so hard to control the things that they don't have control over. Yeah. So if you turn around and try to control the things you do have control over, then that is where you feel so much more in control. Yeah. And um, if we can start to touch on, uh, so, I mean, that feeds into, so once we sort of defined, you know, what your normal is, and it takes practice, like it takes trial and error and, you know, but two of the things when you're in that definition process is, I'm a firm believer in love languages, which if you haven't heard of them, um, and it's, oh my gosh, this always happens to me, the, the, the gentleman who wrote it. Um, oh, what's so, his name? So the five love languages, um, and I'm not, you Gary know, Chapman. Oh, Gary Chapman. Yep. So I, you know, I am a firm believer in his philosophy. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it is, he wrote a book, uh, there's, but there's also a quiz that you can take online for free. Um, it it defines what your love language is. And so when we think about our love language, so when we're starting to define what these normal are, you know, the second piece is knowing what your love language is, knowing what your partner's love language is, and knowing what your sex drive is, knowing what your partner's sex drive is. So when, when Gary Chapman did this, this process, so if you're unfamiliar with love languages, if you are, you can tune us out for a second, but love languages determines how you when you're taking the quiz or how you like to receive love and affection and appreciation and it could be spread out to all of your relationships and they may and we all so there's five of them and we need them all in our life and you might need some from different people you know but I tell people if you're taking the quiz with your relationship um as the focus, then, you know, think of your relationship with your partner when you're answering the questions. Um, as a side note, I also, there's one for kids. Um, and I took it, you answer it for your children, obviously, and knowing what their love language is, is helpful. So if you are aware of what your love language is and you're aware of what your partner's love language is, then when you're showing or expressing love and gratitude and affection, to your spouse or your partner, you want to show it to them in their love language because that's how they're going to receive it. The biggest mistake people make is we oftentimes will express love and appreciation and gratitude in our own love language because that's what we know. That's what we understand. So just to give you an example, so my love language is words of affirmation. So That's mine too. Is it yours too? Yep. Do you know your husband's? His is acts of service. Okay. So that exactly is my husband and I too. Oh, that's um, so funny. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, I would say acts of service is a, is more of a male dominated once. Um, but 
So you might, this story might sound familiar to you. So I'm a, I'm words of affirmation. So I like when my husband tells me I'm doing a good job or he's proud of me or he loves me or the kitchen looks nice or thank you for folding the laundry or, you know, words, words. I like to hear it. Right. And so sometimes, and you know, you get a little better at it, but so oftentimes, like when I want to express my love to him, I'll be like, I love you. Thank you. You know, and, and he's like, you're welcome, <laughs> you know, um, because his love language is acts of service. So he, in order for him to feel loved and appreciated, it is about like, Hey, I picked up your favorite candy bar at the store. You know, you know, here, I was thinking of you, here you go. Or, um, that's a little bit more gifts, but, or, um, oh, I did the dishes for you. Or I took out the trash. Yeah, my husband, or, like, loves, like, if I make his lunch. Like, he's like... Yes! Or, yeah, like, it's so funny. Or, um, like, I don't even know. Like, just, yeah, doing things for them. It's funny. Yeah, or I call, you know, like, I mean, I know people will joke about, like, men. But I'm like, oh, I called him, you know, made you a doctor's appointment. Or I paid your, you know, your your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> um, so that's so being able to know what your partner's love language is, you can adapt your behavior as you're moving through defining what your normal is to make sure that you're expressing to one another what you love and appreciate. And it's sexually, it's non-sexually, like, you know, the more you can show appreciation and gratitude towards your partner, the closer you're going to be. And the more you are intentional about your connection, the deeper your intimate connection will be and so knowing what it is but we always make the mistake you know so like when my I know like if I'm frustrated with my husband and he's trying to like make it up to me he'll be like oh I threw the laundry in oh I did the dishes oh I vacuumed out your car and I'm like I don't give a shit like I want you to tell me you're sorry (laughs) yes oh my god that's me too like no we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about this (laughs) yeah Right. And, but you know, they get, you know, someone, again, if it's not in your world, like it's in my world every day, we, we don't know these strategies until someone teaches them to us. So knowing what your love language is and being very conscious about defining them and in how you interact with your spouse and how your spouse interacts with you. So I tell people like, do it together. Right. And then share share ways that they can show you so like sometimes I have to remind my husband like can you just tell me I look pretty today (laughs) oh yeah been there done that (laughs) yeah you know and so but then he does right and then you're like well I just told you to say (laughs) yeah it doesn't really count so try again next time time, buddy (laughs) um so you know would again but if if you don't if you don't know what they are then it's really hard to develop a good routine when you're again defining what is normal for your relationship. Yeah, I think keeping the just I mean, what we've gone over so far I think is just really helpful even just this far. Like defining what normal is for you and accepting that it's okay that your normal is different than somebody else. I think even just in my head like thinking about it, I haven't really heard that and that is really cool. I feel like it just kind kind of like levels the playing field like makes you feel like okay what I'm doing is cool like what I'm doing is good you know um and then with the love languages like I would have 
not really associated like your intimacy or sex life or whatever with love languages but now that I think of it I'm like how did I not that makes so much sense like of course that that would carry over yeah I mean and you could even like take it like one step further I don't know if you've ever seen that um because you know everyone's into like trending audio and what everyone's doing on Instagram so there's was this and I never I never remade it but it always made me laugh when I saw it because I always thought of love languages but and if if anyone has ever seen, or if you have seen it or anyone listening has seen it but it's that the audio where you'll see like it's you all of them are mostly a couple and you have one couple that's like hugging the other couple and he's sitting um she's like you know is this almost over and he's like it's only been five minutes and then she's like call it oh my god <laughs> and I always think of like the physical touch people you know like if your love language is physical touch but your partner's love language is not physical touch it doesn't things don't come naturally so like holding hands or hugging or you know um but even if you take it in a deeper level in terms of intimacy when you're in the bedroom together and you're initiating or you're you know having your intimate moment you know if you if your partner's love language is words of affirmation like you need to talk you know yes. are, you know you need to say what feels good what doesn't feel good um what you want them to do more of like um even just like the just like moaning like things like that you know if your partner is physical touch then they want a lot more caressing and touching and massaging you know and things like that and service I mean they might want a BJ you know like or whatever you know but it's there's you can incorporate in and outside the bedroom and it just opens the door for like so much opportunity when you know that that's how your partner receives that message from you of love appreciation affection intimacy things like that yeah that makes total sense and I think like you're to your point of doing it together like if you're listening right now and you haven't like you know your love language but you don't really know your partners and maybe they wouldn't be really into it um I just think that is like a cool thing to bring to your like your relationship in general but then also like this this is so cool like this will help our sex life or make it better or you know so many different ways Cause if you can make your, like, and that's really the message here. Like if you can make your relationship better then not, not always like, and I wouldn't even say most of the time, but you're on the right path to improving whatever the disconnect or challenges you're having in your sexual relationship. Yeah, no, definitely. If you have a crappy relationship outside the bedroom more often than not, besides the occasional like angry or makeup sex, you're, you're not going to have that close. Now. Wait, and that can we talk about that for a second? Like angry yeah. makeup sex. That is something that is not a thing for me. Like, yeah. absolutely not. There are people out there that can do that. And I'm like, no, we are going to speak about this and we're going to like talk through it. And then yeah. when I'm happy, like, I yeah. never understood the mad, like angry sex. I can, I can't get on board. It's, and I, I actually don't see it very often because a lot of times when we're angry and mad, like we, we, especially as women, we want to withhold. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, don't even, we need to speak. Like, let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, weird. there's, so, so there's like angry sex where, where people will, 
engage in sexual activity when they're still mad, right? Like they're still, they haven't talked about it. They haven't, you know, and, and I mean, I could go, part of it is like power and control. Part of it is, is just like some people find, um, like heated emotions as a turn on, you know? So like if your partner is angry, you're like, that is a turn on because they are heated. And how do we like channel that energy? Um, I would say more often people fall into the like, you've gotten to an argument, you've worked it out, and now your emotions are so high because you've gotten to a place of resolution that you're you're yearning to get closer, right? Yeah. And and it, I use this analogy a lot with my clients is if imagine like a like a car. So when you have like a parked car. And if you've ever had a car break down on you, you know this pain. And you're like, we just got to push it to the next exit or whatever it might be, right? So everyone's behind it, right? And you're pushing as hard and it's not budging or it's like just rolling. But eventually the wheels start going. And then now you're chasing it. Like you're literally chasing the car down the street, right? Yeah. The person in charge of the steering wheel has to put on the brakes after you've already started pushing it. And so that's the same thing when it comes to your relationship. So what happens is people, especially with intimacy, the car stops, right? It goes and then it comes to a complete halt. If anything in your relationship comes to a complete halt, whether you're not communicating, you're not having sex with one another, um, you're not you know, expressing gratitude, whatever it might be, if it comes to a stop, it's that much harder to get the car moving. But if you can keep it in motion, like forensic says, anything in motion stays in motion. If you can keep it in motion, then you're setting yourself up much better for success. So, so if you be, go ahead. Wait, so let me kind of, I wanted to guess like where you were going with that kind of to see if I got what you were saying. Yeah. So is, are you kind of saying like, if you like have a good rhythm with, like each week or whatever your normal end up ends up being and you don't have like a dead space or like a dry spell or I don't know what they call it but like is that what you're saying like if you're just like continuously like making sure that you're incorporating that into your relationship yep so that's exactly what I'm saying and and I was you know and to be more specific about the angry sex and then I'll make it a little bit broader is you know, if you get into a fight and then you've come to a resolution and, and you feel like you're heard and resolved, we want that car, we want that car emotion. That's why a lot of people will have that like makeup sex. Oh, okay. I guess the makeup sex makes sense to me, but yes. I never understood. Like some of my friends would be angry. like, yeah, like we'll be in such a big fight and, and we just have sex. And I'm like, yeah, no, like I'm way too stubborn for that. Yeah. I'd be like, get away from me. But if that's your normal, then if that's what gets you through it, although I will caution people, have the angry sex, right? If that's, again, what sometimes we, and the reason that people have angry sex sometimes is like just being able to channel emotions, right? And it's a lot about power and control. So if you need, if it becomes like almost a release, like I'm so angry that if the words come out they're not going to come out right but so if angry sex works for your relationship but then you still need to talk about it yeah (laughs) you know so have the angry sex but then talk about it um 
don't let it, you know, just follow underneath the orgasms because then it gets into the danger zone. But yes, back to the bigger picture, what you were saying about the car moving is setting up whatever's normal for you. And then, you know, as best as you can, like sticking to it. So for example, I have a couple right now where they have decided that they, they really enjoy scheduled sex. Like they enjoy like knowing, okay, this is the day we're going to have sex. We can spend all week, you know, foreplay, sexting, passing notes, like the build up, and then this will get me into sex drive in a second. And then, you know, the, the excitement and the anticipation like comes right. And then any other interaction during the week, there's no expectation, you know? Um, cause a lot of people have what they call, um, like, um, affection resistance, especially moms and women. It's like every time he puts his arm around me or tries to kiss me, I'm like, Oh, does he want to have sex? Oh, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. But if you plan your sex, if you schedule it, right, it gives you much opportunity. And I'll talk about sex drive in a second to build up to the, but then any other time that there's a hug or a kiss or pat on the butt or, you know, whatever it might be like, that's, you know, that that's just fun and playful. You know, there isn't the expectation of like, oh my God, they want to have sex with me. Um, and so this couple in their own, in their own mind, in their own definition of normal is they, you know, they try to plan. So if they can plan, they do, but you know, we know we're all moms, we're all busy, like, but we're always going to be busy. Just keep that in mind. But they, their mark is the month. So if a month has gone by and they have not had what they define as their normal sexual intimate encounter, then they make a point to schedule it to make sure it happens. You know, if it happens organically, great. If they schedule it and, you know, something happens and it doesn't fall through, fine. But if they get to the month mark, then it jumps to the top of the priority list. So they never lose momentum. They never stop the car. Yeah. Because if you miss a month and then another month goes by and then another month goes by and you're like, I can't even remember the last time we had sex. Yeah, that would not, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, um, I think too, like kind of it ties back to like defining what's normal. So when you define what's normal, just don't like stick to that. Like make your, yeah. you know, keep that in motion and it's like really said. about making the commitment to you and your relationship like you know as my this is a, a um this is a, a hot topic that people will maybe like unpopular opinion for, but yeah um but you know we have to put not i don't want to say put our needs first but and so our children and or our spouse and but our relationship cannot take the back seat. No. Because that is your support person. That is the person that was there before kids, after kids. That is your confidant. It is your, you know, it's your person. And if that relationship takes the back seat for, it turns into a month and then six weeks and then a year and then five years and then 10 you know, then I have couples coming to me who've been married for 20 years and they're living like strangers and roommates, Oh, you know, and it's much harder to come back from that than it is to just put the work in a little bit. And that's, that's really what I'm about is small micro changes, micro strategic things you can do every day in your relationship 
to keep the car moving. Okay. So, yeah. I love that. So let's talk about sex drive. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. so now you have, like, your normal, right? You've defined your normal. You're aware of what your, your love languages are. This is where sex drive comes in. So some people will say to me, you know, oh, I have no sex drive. I have no desire. Like, and m- women, I hear you. We have a hundred other things going on in our mind. Um, and I tell mo- specifically moms, you know, if, if you think about the top five things you go to to relieve stress, anxiety, take some time for yourself, shopping. time with you and your partner. What? <laughs> shopping. <laughs> shopping, yeah. Shopping, you know, like even like, you know, pulling into the driveway, sitting by myself for five minutes in the car, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it might be, like sex I don't want to say should be, but could be on that list, right? But instead, it falls on the to-do list. Yeah. And a lot of times, it's because we have mismatched sex drives. And so in the world of sex drives, there's two, I would say, most common sex drives. And I have a whole quiz on my website for you to determine which sex drive you are, um, or you might just know once I start talking about them, but I encourage people to take it anyway so you have a, a, a better idea. Um, but there's typically two. And, and again, just like love languages, you bounce back and forth at different times. You know, your vacation sex drive may be different than your at-home sex drive, you know, things like that. Um, but typically there's two. So there's um, responsive and spontaneous. So I'll start with sort of like the more obvious. So the spontaneous sex drive person. So this person typically, so you have spontaneous and responsive. And what we're talking about is um, desire and arousal. And so what, how do we define those? So desire is the, the thinking about the want, the need, the focus on wanting to have sex or intimacy. Arousal is the the act of starting or doing it. Yeah. So foreplay, touching, kissing, you know, physical, typically they're physical things, or if you're using words or things like that. And so if you have a spontaneous sex drive, your desire oftentimes comes before your arousal. So this person is like thinking about it. This person is, you know, like, I feel horny, you know, or I've been thinking about sex all day. Um, I can't wait to get home and rip your clothes off. Um, Or, you know, they watched porn and now they want to have sex or, you know, things like that. The desire, the want to comes before the like physical act. Um, So these people are like thinking about sex. The responsive person, again, more often than not, the arousal has to come before the desire. So this person, more often than not, doesn't ever feel horny. They don't have a desire to have sex. It's not something that they think about. It's not something that's on the forefront of their mind. It doesn't mean they don't want to. It just means it's not something, their desire isn't there. There isn't, you know, like, maybe if they watch porn or read erotica. But again, that could be. <coughs> fit into arousal, you know, determining what arouses you. Is it porn? Is it erotica? Is it foreplay? Whatever. But typically this person, you know, so if you ask a a responsive person, um, do you ever want to have sex? They're going to say, no, I don't ever want to. 
you know? So what that means is their arousal comes first. So that person needs to be aroused first. So meaning they have to like get in it. And so that often means as the responsive person, being able to put yourself in a position to get aroused. So, you know, if you have, and, and oftentimes these two people like marry each other. <laughs> most women are responsive. I'll be honest. There's some spontaneous women out there, but most women are responsive and most men are spontaneous. So if you have a heterosexual couple, you have the guy that wants it all the time and the woman that doesn't. Oh, this is so hard. I feel like for me to like choose because, uh, I, well, first of all, being pregnant completely changed changes me this the second time around like um now I know like when I'm pregnant it goes away like <laughs> there is like nothing like no want in me but that's not how I normally am so like yeah. I, I don't know so I don't really know being pregnant just changes things like hormonally yeah. anything could change it could be your stress out at work but like, it could be like yeah um but no, and, and I would say that normally, like, it, I don't know what it is, but because I, like, specifically know how it was the first time being pregnant, and this time I'm like, no, this is pregnancy doing this to me. Like, I am fully, yeah. like, it just changes. But I will say, I feel like me and my husband are, are in the same, like, in the same one. That's great. When I'm not pregnant. <laughs> when you're not pregnant, right. Yeah. But or I love the people. Not... I'm so jealous of those pregnant people that are like, oh, my God, it's, like, all I think about. Well, I guess I'm not jealous of that because then what else do you think about? But, like, you know, there are some people that, like, go the opposite way of that. And I'm like, wow, that's so different because that's just not me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because your the testosterone level is typically higher in pregnancy. And so – Yes. Yeah, so, and yeah, that's, that's more hormonal. And I think that that, that's a factor, you know, people will go to their doctor and say like, I don't have any, I have a low sex drive, right? Give me, give me a medicine, give me something to fix. Right. And sometimes it is hormonal, like testosterone, again, not a medical doctor, not a therapist, but testosterone, if your levels are off, you know, you may have a lower libido. Uh, stress is a huge factor in sex drive. If you're stressed out, though, again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all these like technical terms, but the, 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 the chemistry that's happening in your body reduces that want to do it. Um, it could just be that you have a responsive sex drive. So these people, you know, they just need to, so in their mind, they need to be open to it. And I'm saying need, meaning if it works for your relationship. So if you want to be open to it, if you're open to it, so if what you have, like what I call like the willingness window. So, and this is, that's why scheduled sex is really great for these responsive people because they know it's coming. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> they, they know, you know, and the buildup can be longer. And so, you know, the, the, so if you're like, oh, you know, I know, you know, my husband's like making hints that he's like into it tonight. And so are, is, is the, is the window open? Are you willing to see if your desire will be there? And that might be, again, starting with some kissing, some fondling again. And this is what I work with people on is like, what, what turns you on? You know, like what, what is going to get you in the mood per se? And so but knowing 
where you typically, how you typically respond is helpful when you are trying to establish what's normal. Yeah. So if you know in your mind, like I'll be, I'll be honest, I am a responsive person. And believe it or not, I mean, sex is on my mind all the time because this is my work. But yeah. me, per, you know, like me personally, like I'm not like, you know, I very rarely will like just feel like, hmm, I can't wait to get home and like, you know, sex up my husband, you know. But I know that once I'm in it, like once, you know, we're in the act or, you know, having a moment. So I have to just give myself that couple of minutes, you know, or you know, again, if you've established that either like, you know, talking dirty or watching porn or reading erotica, you know, it might trigger that arousal in your body. Like, again, whatever your turn-ons are, then you know you can get there. But if you're just throwing your hands up saying, I don't have a sex drive, then that can be frustrating for your relationship, especially if you have a partner who thinks about sex all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. You know, and if you have the same, like if you're both spontaneous, then you're not necessarily your frequency of sex, maybe more. That might not be true. But when you want to have sex, you're on this, you're more up to quickly get on the same page. Yeah. You know, you yep. might not be in the mood at that point, but like, you know, you horny, I'm horny. Okay, let's go. You know? Yep. Um, but if you're both responsive, oh my God, you're just going to be like sitting around you know like you have to be this is where it's like you got to do the work yeah that would be really hard that's yeah but if you are aware see knowledge is power yeah so when we know better we do better so if you continue in the same pattern and not take the knowledge that you've learned and you know and that's why people come to me they they you know they get they they get these tools and then you apply them, then they become your new normal. They yeah. just become more authentic. They become part of your routine. And then the car never stops moving. That's so good. I think that's a perfect place to end because we're out of time yeah. for this first episode. But I think that's the perfect place place to end. We covered, you know, most of sex drive and what that looks like. And I think you gave such a great a great form of like, you know, which one you could be and kind of trying to figure that out. Um, But I, I'm really excited for the next episode because I think it'll be really cool. So we're going to talk about how to be a lover and a mother without losing your mind so that those mothers out there, I know there's a lot of you listening. This is definitely going to be an episode for you. Um, So Would you, Jennifer, would you like to plug where our followers can find you, where we can follow you, anything else, any other information? Sure. Um, So if uh, you can find me on Instagram, Uh, my Instagram is at Jennifer underscore Melville underscore. (laughs) And I'll be putting that in the show notes as well. So if you guys. Yep. Uh, you can also find me on my website is jennifer-melville.com and on there has my Instagram uh, and I, on there uh, you'll find the sex drive uh, guide. So if this is a topic that you're interested in learning more about, it'll go over. I also have um, under a tab, we'll tell you all about my couples program, you know, what it entails, the other components of it. Um, and then also for, if you're watching the second episode or listening, once we get to the second episode, I also run a private Facebook group just for moms. 
Perfect. And we'll talk more about that then. Yep. Awesome. So that's where I am. Well, thank you so much for joining and um, we'll catch you guys next week for the second episode with Jennifer Melville. Thank you so much.